Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today for our series on Grace, Trust, and Surrender. Now, here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're studying a series that we're calling Grace, Trust, and Surrender, and we are on the first section of Grace, and I'm here with my good friends, Seth Muse and Danny Jacobs. Welcome back, guys. Great to be here. Hey, thank you. So we are picking apart... Uh, still kind of working through this uh, idea of law and grace and just showing the purpose of the law. And Seth, you had some uh, some points that uh, you wanted to make from uh, the book of Romans. So why don't you jump in and kind of get us started? Right. And uh, in, in Romans 11, you know, we, the Jews have asked, or actually Paul has rhetorically asked for them, what about us and our promises, you know, and, and what about the remnant? And he, t- he starts to tell the story of Elijah. You know, Elijah complained he was the only prophet left. And then he went through the whole ordeal with the prophets of Baal. And God said, look, I have, I have kept for me a remnant of 7,000. He's like, you're not alone. You're not the only one doing the right thing. And, um, you know, he says in verse uh, eleven five, it says in the same way then, there's also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. It is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And so Paul is trying to make the point here that whenever we've kept the law in the past, that even when the law was in, in effect, um, it wasn't the actual doing of the law that caused favor with God. It was faith that God was going to keep his promise and you demonstrated it by keeping the law. Mm-hmm. It was a demonstrated faith. And I think there's an action that always kind of goes along with faith. Uh, but it, it is, there's something there that God is, is keeping his promise to Israel and, and our new believers. And it has to do with grace like it always has. Yes, I agree. And, you know, if Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever, so I see grace in the Old Testament. I see it in the law. You know, on the Day of Atonement, you know, whenever the uh, sacrifice was given, that covered my sin for another year. So it was a picture. They looked forward to the, cro- to the cross. The Messiah was coming, and we looked back to the cross. So it was never about keeping the law perfectly. It was about understanding God's righteousness through the law and allowing God to work through their lives to grow them, to bring them to a more mature, intense relationship with Him. And, you know, Paul uh, really had a struggle with the Jews of his day because, you know, they were all about this concept of keeping the law to the point where they even added to the law. Mm -hmm. So if I can't uh, work on the Sabbath... They came up with bizarre laws to even prevent anything right. from being interpretations done. of that, yeah. like the gray areas. Like, well, we can't work on the Sabbath. Well, what is work? Well, work is taking X number of steps. Okay, well, let's keep a, some clothes. You know, X number of steps minus one step somewhere from our we house. Wear yes. So yeah. we can go. Yeah, it's just this constant loophole <laughs> creation that trying to get around around the law. And it's like, really, is that keeping the law? Is that really faith? That's that's legalism. Yeah. That's just yeah. the definition of legalism, finding a way around it. Yep. Uh, and, and it's not at all. It's, I mean, that's why Jesus was so angry with them all the time. He never really had good things to say to the Pharisees. No, you know, and if you look at who he 
showed grace to and who he was the most stern with, you know, he hung out with the down and outs, the prostitutes, the drunks, the tax gatherers. And the reason is because they have no illusions of self-righteousness. They knew they needed a savior. And so they're already broken. Uh, The Pharisees needed the law to break them before they would ever reach the humble heart that's required to know that I need grace. I can't make this on my own. Yeah, and I think it goes without saying that if if you or I grew up in a church, we have a better chance of being a Pharisee than we Absolutely. do one of these people that we champion in the Bible. We're like, man, I'm more like this guy, this tax collector. Chances are you're probably more like the Pharisees. You think you got it figured out. You've done everything right. You've kept the law your whole life. You didn't drink when you were a kid, you know, that kind of stuff. You've done all the right stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and then Paul even continues the fight. Uh, when he's on his missionary journeys, the problem he faces most of the time are people that are Jewish that have converted to Christianity trying to get the Gentiles to become Jewish before they can be a Christian. Yeah. And it's just, here's the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to be, uh, you know, dedicated. You need to go through all these ceremonial washings and stuff and sacrifices. And, and Paul's like, hey, man, that's that's done. Yeah. There's no need to do all that. And even in the Council of uh, Jerusalem in Acts 15, they decided that. And yeah. then he still had problems with it. Yeah. So it's just this legalism is so attractive because it's measurable. It is. And it's... Um, I think it's just ingrained in each one of us. Even... It's interesting. I was in a long debate with an atheist one time, and I was amazed. He was a legalist in a sense Mm -hmm. because he was comparing his own personal righteousness to Christians and at one point even to God. And that's the height to me of legalism, and yet he didn't even believe in a God. And I went, wow, it is so ingrained in us in a fallen state that we are all legalists. We just don't realize how ingrained it is. And I think that's one of the reasons the law was given and the severity of it. Mm -hmm. In other words, God will not tolerate us coming to him in self-righteousness. It's repeated over and over. I think that's why the law was so harsh, you know, the punishment for death on a lot of the violations of the law. And it's why, again, I keep going back to God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You can't come to God in pride and have him. Pride is the opposite of receiving grace. It's the opposite of faith. It's at the core of idolatry. Yeah, I mean, really pride is. Is, the, is the functioning part of idolatry, is that if you ever see anyone who puts themselves on the pedestal, it's because they think they deserve it. They deserve to be there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, it's not just little statues for us in America. It's, it's, uh, it's ourselves. It's our work. It's our money. It's the things that we think make us good, Yeah, make us better. Yeah. You know, and it's a, I believe it's at the core of our sin nature. If you think about what caused Satan to fall, it was pride. You know, the five I wills in Isaiah 14, he ends up, you know, saying, you know, I will ascend to the third heaven. I will, I will, I will. And at the very, the fifth one, it's I will be like the most high. Yeah. So it was pride that caused him to fall. And if we imitate him there, we'll imitate the fall. You bet. Uh, That's all the time we have for this segment. We'll be back in a minute. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute 
and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to MindingTheTruth.com and click Donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. Welcome back. Um, We are kind of tying pride and the law together and showing how we have to be broken of self-righteousness before we realize our need for grace. And it's only a humble heart recognizes that we have a sin problem and God is perfect. What about the people who say, well, this is how God made me? Um, You know, again, that's pride. That is a refusal to accept that there is a standard outside of my own self. Right. And and whenever you get that standard, your own standard of goodness or rightness or whatever, um, not only does your own standard change over time, so you can't even keep your own, it's a moving target. Yes. Again, you're comparing to other people, and if you don't want to compare it with God's fixed standard of perfection, then you've got a moving target to hit. Yeah. And that's impossible. Yeah. Even more so than the law. You know, I've got a, a good friend that, that Seth knows that has a, has a ministry, and he's got a, uh, a salvation track that he puts out, and he's got two plans to get to heaven. Yeah. There's plan A and there's plan B. Plan A is you keep the law perfectly from the time that you're born till you die. You, don't, you never violate the, the law in one area. You never make a slip up. That's one way to get to heaven. And then there's plan B for the rest of us. And that is that Christ paid our sin debt and offers us eternal life as a free gift by grace. So I'm going to take plan B. I don't know about you guys. Danny could probably do plan A. I'm still thinking about it. (laughs) I've seen Danny, and, you know, he's close. He's close. Close, but uh, close doesn't work, does it? No, and I've already committed another lie, which, you know, means that I need grace. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're playing horseshoes. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, close right. is pretty important then. Bocce <laughs> ball. Yes. Mm. You know, and uh, I love this passage that talks about the law being a tutor that leads us to Christ, uh, Galatians 3.24. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. That's awesome. The tutor meaning uh, the law is giving me God's standard, and it's working in my heart. And it's, I am realizing I am on a hopeless journey here. And so that knowledge of, of the reality of who I really am under the law leads me to faith, which that's what justifies me, is my trust in Christ and not my own ability. You know, there's another passage that I wanted to jump into. The law makes all men accountable to God. I think it's what we've been kind of kicking around here, how we're all equal under the law. And it's Romans uh, starting uh, Romans 3, starting in verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may be accountable to God. Because by the works of the law... No flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. 
That is just a, a awesome summary of what we've been talking about. It says, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So it's our tutor. It teaches us uh, we got a sin problem. You know, and you have a tendency when you start to unravel this, you think, well, you know, the law is bad because it brings guilt and shame and terror. Uh, and Paul makes very clear that the law is wholly just and good. It's doing its job. If it's causing you to have fear and trembling and guilt and shame as an unbeliever, it's doing its job. That's the purpose of it. And everybody has that family member, you know, that their parents just let them do whatever they wanted to do, that, that weird uncle or whatever, and and they just spend money and they have no responsibility, and now they're growing up and they're just kind of difficult to deal with because they've never been told what's right and what's wrong and not been held accountable to that. And I always think of the law that way, is that if we didn't have the law, I mean, how much worse would we be right, in right. a situation? It's a restrainer in some It ways. is actually a restrainment uh, of, uh, of our own sin to guide us into faith, mm-hmm. to guide us into what is right. And otherwise, we're that guy that lives with his parents when he's 45 years old. And, right. you know, he's just, he's not... You know, he's, he's not contributing anything. He's just very selfish. My mom just kicked me out last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, man. <laughs> so, no, I totally agree. It's, uh, you know, it's, it is a, uh, it's a righteous standard. It is a, it's a way that we kind of confirm. You know, my nephew and I have been having a lot of discussions lately. He is trying to find his way here uh, to God in... You know, we are all made in the image of God, and there is a sense of morality and right and wrong, not to the perfect standard of the law, but God stamped in our heart is a sense of right and wrong, and I think that comes from our Creator. We didn't just evolve. Never count out the image of God imprinted in you. You bet. Well, that's all the time we have for this segment. We will pick this up again next time. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Thanks again for listening. And join us next time for more of Grace, Trust, and Surrender. Surrender.